Welcome to the Family Worship Companion, supplementing your personal reading of Scripture with a Christ-centered emphasis and real-life application for every member of the family. We begin in the book of Genesis, a powerful account of the origin of our world. The book lays out for us God's perspective, not just of how the world all came to be, but the development of the nations and peoples and the whole arc of redemption as God fulfills his purposes in this world. We come to chapter 1, which gives to us the account of the creation of the universe as God has it recorded for us. We can see indications of what theologians refer to as the economy of the Trinity, where the Father is governing over all things by the agency of the Son who works by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at Genesis chapter 1, my purpose isn't so much to dig deep into the various arguments and positions that are held by men in relation to this portion of God's word, but to see the way it actually weaves out how God is going to work, not just in the creation of the world, but in the new creation and what he does in the lives of men. The way the details are recorded for us show us how God works in our lives when he makes us new. So verses 2, 3 and 4, we learn that man by nature needs the gospel because he has a spiritual void. The earth was without form and void depicts the nature of men without God. There is no life. There is no light. There is no grace without the operation of the Spirit. The Spirit of God moved, which is what we need in our lives as well. Without him, in tandem with the word of God, because God said, let there be light, there is no life at all. And so our natural state needs divine intervention. The darkness of our heart shows our need of the light of the world, even Jesus. We also see here how that light precedes the sun and the moon, which reminds us that light does not, first and foremost, emanate from creation. It emanates from God. God is light, but he uses instruments. He uses instruments to shine forth and reflect the light just as the sun and the moon. And so in this sense, every Christian is taught, as we are taught in the Sermon on the Mount, to be a light in this world. And so God makes all things and then he turns his attention to the crown of his creation, namely to man. And man is made in his image. Let us make man in our image, we are told. And so there are various ways in which men look at this. We think of it in terms of man's intellectual superiority over the rest of creation, angels accepted, his ability in terms of the creative powers, music and the arts and engineering ability that man has. But the key in the image of God is not found in these things. The key is particularly focused upon the things that Christ restores. And so we look at man made perfectly, man fallen, and then we see what Christ brings back to man, what he restores in man, and we say that's the key, what God is doing. He is restoring us in knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. According to Ephesians 4.24, 
and Colossians 3.10. So knowledge is that knowledge we need to fulfill our our calling. We, we need to know how to fulfill our calling as being made in the image of God. We need to know righteousness, understand what it is that God requires of our character, the straightness that he demands of our lives, and true holiness, which delves into the inner affections and the true longings that must be regulated by a desire to glorify God. So, these are just some thoughts in relation to Genesis 1 that you can consider. Now, some application before we go. First of all, we learn that everything is to be fruitful. God made it to be so. Our Lord reminds us in John 15 that this is how we glorify our Father when we bear much fruit. So, by that we prove we are disciples. We also see that the world begins with light. And so, this is another way of looking at our day. Well, if the world begins with light, my day must begin with light as well. Every day must begin with light. The light of God, the light of his truth, the light that shines forth from our Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, there's also a lesson for the end of our day, isn't there? Because after each day, God reviews his work and he declares it good. So, given that that is the case, him reviewing his work at the end of the day, we should also review our work at the end of the day, and we should see that probably it's not good. And so we are turned to Christ, our need for Christ, the one who has done all good. And so the end of our day closes with the gospel as well. Fourthly, our experience in this world will be a mixture of darkness and light until we are brought into that place where there's no need of the sun or the moon and the glory of God lightens it and the Lamb is the light thereof. Our spiritual, physical, relational, financial experience is a mixture of light and darkness. And so it will be until we leave this scene of time. Fifthly, God's chief end is to glorify himself. This, that we must understand this, that God's chief end is to glorify himself. And so our responsibility is the same. We are to glorify God, to say in Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. This is our highest calling. Embrace it today and every day. Sixthly, there are greater lights and there are lesser lights. I don't know what station of life you're in, but if you're a father, a mother, you are, in the context of the home, a greater light. And so you are responsible to shine more brightly. As you're surrounded by the lesser lights of your children, you're to shine brightly. You lesser lights you are also to shine. You are to look to the greater lights that God has put in your life and to reflect what is good that you see in them. Seventh and finally, the future of our world is, we see clearly by God's design, in the hand of man. The future of our world is in the hand of man. And as we will discover, being placed in the hands of Adam results in catastrophic failure. But by means of covenant and God's mercy, the responsibility then is placed in the hands of another man, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we depend on him. In his hands, everything is safe, as is everything in your world and your life if you trust him.